Well, Aloha Mission Church. What a joy it is to, uh, to j- gather again today and, um, and to continue in this sermon series that we began back when we uh, were in Advent. And uh, after Advent, I said, this is a great opportunity for us to journey with Jesus from Advent to Easter. And honestly, it's probably going to be a few weeks after Easter before we get done. But um, I'm excited to, to look at the different teachings of Jesus to look at Jesus' examples that he leaves to us. And then all of the events, there's these big events that take place in the Word of God that, that is centered in Christ. And using all of that to inform us in our Christology of understanding who Jesus is and to deepen the theology that we have of Jesus so that our relationship with Jesus can grow deeper as well too. And so today... We're going to look at the first miracle of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to John chapter 2. And there you will find the first miracle of Jesus. If you have the Version Bible app in your phone, you can find our service in the live events. And all of the, um, the scriptures are going to be kind of referenced there for you. You can actually take notes on your Version Bible app. And so if you have that, you can do that. Or we have the bulletins there for you as well, too. And um, in this passage of scripture, Jesus does a miracle, turning water into wine. And I have asked Karis Fisher if she would be willing to read the passage, and she said yes. And so, um, hear the word of the Lord today. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine, after the guests have had too much to drink. The Jews save the best till now. What Jesus did here in King of Galilee was the first of the signs through which we... Thank you, Karis, and sorry for that. We're going to have to fumigate the the sanctuary. Sounds like termites got into the wires. Oh, my goodness. But if you have your Bibles and you guys got to read along, you got to hear this amazing, amazing miracle of Jesus. His first miracle, actually, as we we, we read about there in John chapter 2. And today, I want to do two things. I want to talk about Jesus' miracles, kind of generally, and, and, and look at that and understand a few things about why Jesus performed miracles. I mean, why, why did he perform miracles? And there, there are a lot of reasons why Jesus performed miracles. I'm going to just drill down and focus on just a few of them. And then the second thing I want to do is just take a look at this particular miracle um, and, and see that 
there is a deeper message that can so easily be missed with just a, a, a casual reading of this. And I don't want you guys to miss that, that deeper message. And so we're going to look at Jesus' miracles as a, as a whole first, right? What was the purpose for why Jesus performed miracles? That's a great question. Why did Jesus perform miracles at all? What, what is the reason for that? And like I said, there, there, there are many reasons. And, and I want to just drill down on two of them. But the first thing I want to let you guys just bring you into the, the story of, of, of miracles and the understanding of them is that there were other people in the Bible that did miracles as well too, right? Miracles were ascribed to them. When you look at the Old Testament, Moses, right? When you look at the life of Moses, what, his 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 story was filled with miraculous things that took place. The parting of the Red Sea, the leading of the Israelites through that, the, the, the fired pillar. I mean, and then Elijah. Elijah had miraculous things happen when, when he challenged the prophets of Baal and called down fire from heaven. Uh, if there were places and times in the Bible that I could be, like God said, where, where do you want to see I'd want to choose one of those. I mean, those are amazing miracles, right? And so miracles happened in the Bible. It wasn't just Jesus that performed miracles. But there's a difference between the things that Moses and Elijah and the others did in the Bible than, than, than the miracles that Jesus did. And the difference between what Moses and Elijah did and what Jesus did was the source of where the miracles came from, right? Moses and Elijah, they, they were used by God and God did and performed those miracles and used them through them, right? It was the divine power of God that was the source for Moses and Elijah. God was the one that brought the ten plagues upon Egypt. God was the one that parted the Red Sea. God was the one that created the pillars of fire that held back the Egyptian army. God was the one that brought water from the rock. And God was the one that supplied manna in the desert for 40 years for the people of God. God was the one that did all of that. And when it comes to Jesus and his ministry, one of the things that we never doubt is where the source of those miracles came from. Jesus was the source of his own miracles, right? And, and neither Moses nor Elijah or Elisha or any of the other prophets ever claimed to be God. They, 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 they were people. And they knew it. And they knew where their power came from. Jesus, on the other hand, his identity was wrapped up in being the Son of God. And so, we know that the source of, of divine power for these miracles from Jesus was, was himself. And we were reminded in Matthew 28, 18, when Jesus said these words, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? He is all-powerful. And so we know that Jesus is different in when he performs his miracles than any other person in the Bible. Jesus had the power, he had the authority to do all that he did. And that is clearly what sets Jesus apart from all others. And here in his first miracle, what Jesus does is he proves he is fully divine. 
And that's, for me, one of the reasons why I believe Jesus performed miracles was to show his divinity, that he is truly the Son of God. And in John chapter 21, the Gospel writer John, he, he adds this at the very end of his Gospel, just to reiterate the fact of Jesus' divine nature. He says this at the end of his, his Gospel. Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. Jesus was amazing. He did so many miracles that, that most of them maybe not even had been written down. I mean, that's how amazing Jesus was. Jesus performed all of these miracles. And you know what the, the beautiful thing about Jesus is doing these miracles is it was all done in a spirit of great humility. Over and over again, as you read the Gospels and you read about the miracles that Jesus did, it was, it was done in, in this beautiful spirit of humility. Even here in John chapter 2, when, when, when Jesus does the miracle, he, he almost doesn't even want to be recognized by it or connected with it, right? The, 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 I'm going to teach you this French word, sommelier, <laughs> the banquet captain, the guy who tastes wine. Uh, he didn't even know that Jesus was the one that, that transformed the water into wine. If it was anyone else, I mean, if it was me, <laughs> and I had the capacity to do miracles, I'd probably, you know, like how I wore the apron earlier, I'd probably want people to know I did that, right? And, uh, but amazingly, when you read the Gospels, not Jesus, he comes to this with this beautiful sense of humility and almost anonymity of, of performing miracles, which is the, a beautiful bridge to the second part of why I believe Jesus performed miracles. One was to, to show his divinity but the other was to show his humanity, right? And we talked about this last Sunday in our sermon about this hypostatic union of truly being fully God and fully man, 100% in both. And, and, and there's this beauty of Jesus performing these miracles to highlight his humanity. And we don't often think that when Jesus performs miracles, that what he's doing is he's, He's showing his humanity. But even here in John chapter 2, in this beautiful passage that we've just read, Jesus' humanity is brought out in such a beautiful way. We all think that the miracles of Jesus easily prove his divinity, but I want you to know it reinforces his humanity as well too. And in, in, in John chapter 2, we see... I love this. We see Mary and we see Jesus interact in this beautiful way that is so reminiscent of how we interact with one another, with mothers and with children and, and more, more specifically with, with their sons, right? Um, <laughs> Mary does what moms do. I love this. They, they enlist their children when things need to be done. Is that not right? 
Mary does that, right? And, 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 and she sees the problem. Oh no, they've, they've run out of wine. And they've been invited to this wedding party. Knowing that if, if you run out of wine, it is embarrassing and humiliating for the, for, for the couple and for, for the bride. It, it, it'll mark them. This is the, the, you don't know them? They're, they're the ones that ran out of wine. Oh, that's them. That's, that's how you're marked in that way. And, and Mary, seeing the problem, didn't want that to happen to this young couple or this family. She sees the problem. And she doesn't want the family to be embarrassed. And so I love, oh, I love what Mary does here. Mary knows that Jesus can do something about it, right? She's his mom. And I love the interaction. And I, I, I don't know how it went down, and I can only picture it in my mind, that Mary says to Jesus, these are the words from the Bible, Jesus they have no more wine. <laughs> right? That's what she says. She doesn't tell Jesus to do it. Like, Jesus makes more. Mary, Mary says to, to Jesus, Jesus, they have no more wine. Because <laughs> you see that in church, right? Sometimes. I, I, I can just picture Amanda saying to, to, to Zach, Zach, Grandma Jamie loves to sit in the fourth row. <laughs> First row. <laughs> Go save the seats, right? Or after the service is done. I'm sure this has happened. Nell says to Barry, uh, Barry, this chair won't move itself. <laughs> right? I love this beautiful interaction with, G- with, with Mary and Jesus. And I wrote also, after Sunday school this morning, I wrote down um, Elizabeth saying to Jake, and <laughs> I, I can't think of a funny one there, but, <laughs> but, but our, our moms, they do such a great job at enlisting help from their children. That's what moms do. Am I right? Amen. I heard an amen. And it happens here in church as well, too. And when moms do their thing that they do so well, what, what is the response of our children? Zach, when, uh, when, when, when your mom says, hey, Grandma Jamie, she loves to sit in the first row. And then the normal response is, there's a three-step three, uh, response. The first one is, you roll your eyes back. The second is, you drop your shoulders. And then the third is, you complain, right? Go tell Josh to do it. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how it is, right? And when you read the scriptures, how beautiful it is to see Jesus almost doing the same thing. Jesus, they have no more wine. <sighs> Mother, right, woman, why do you involve me in these things? My time has not yet come, right? There's almost that humanity of Jesus hearing his mom say, there's no more wine. (laughs) And right here, church, is an amazing act of humanity that we see in Jesus. The act of humanity is this. Jesus obeys his mom. 
which is something that Zach and Barry need to do. <laughs> Obey your mom. In a, in a beautiful act of humanity, Jesus obeys his mom. And I thought more mothers would say amen right in here. This part, right? Amen, yeah. <laughs> Jesus obeys his mom and performs this beautiful miracle. And, and what that beautifully shows is that through these miracles that Jesus does, it not only highlights his divinity, it really shines a beautiful light on Jesus' humanity as well, too. It's a beautiful display of that, obeying your mom. And along with obeying his mother here in John chapter 2, Jesus demonstrates his, his humanity through all kinds of different ways as he performs other miracles, right? The, the, the human condition, that, that the human emotion that Jesus has and the compassion that he responds with shows his beautiful humanity over and over and over again. Jesus was often stirred by people's pain and his grief. And through that pain and grief is when Jesus responds beautifully, performing miracles for others. One of the most memorized verses in all the Bible. Today, everyone here in church will memorize this passage of Scripture before you walk out because it's the shortest passage in the entire Bible. It's just two simple words in John chapter 11, verse 35. It says, See, many of you already know it. Jesus wept. Jesus wept, church. When was the last time you wept? Probably at my last sermon, right? <laughs> oh, he preaches so long. Jesus wept. <laughs> Jesus wept because he was moved by the grief that he saw in Mary and in Martha. And with great compassion, what does Jesus do? He raises Lazarus from the grave. And, and that's a powerful act of divinity, but what a beautiful act of humanity as well, too. And, and so I believe there are many reasons for Jesus performing miracles, but two of them that I wanted to highlight today was what we talked about last Sunday, was that Jesus was fully divine and also fully human. Jesus' miracles was as much an act of kindness as it was a show of divine power. And Jesus' miracles, Jesus did miracles to live into both of these beautiful sides of his, of his nature, being divine and being human. Now, this leads us to take a look at this, this miracle in particular, right? We're going to just dive and dig deep a little bit into John chapter 2 and this this miracle of the turning of water into wine. And on the face of it, just on the face of it, when you read this, what an amazing miracle it is, right? Turning water. Jesus didn't just change the color of the water and, and the flavor of the water. You guys understand that. The water in the jars were literally transformed from, from water into wine. 
And understanding the culture of that time is significant in seeing this broader picture of what is actually happening right here. There's a significance that it's missed if you don't fully understand the culture. And so knowing the culture, that this miracle spared the family deep humiliation and deep embarrassment, right? There was a cultural aspect to it that, that, that if they had run out of the wine, that the family would be marred and, and, and scarred and, 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 and set apart. They're, they're the family that ran out of wine. And, and we understand that. But, but I want you to know it goes much deeper. It goes much deeper than Jesus sparing the family of this humiliation and embarrassment. And what I'm about to share with you is the part that I don't want you to miss. This miracle has as much to do with Jesus turning water into wine as it does a message, a powerful message of an inward transformation of people. Through what Jesus did in this miracle. This, 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 this miracle has as much to do with inward transformation of people as it does with changing water into wine. And let me explain that. You see, water, especially the, the water that was used here in, in this miracle, is very symbolic, highly symbolic. This water was set apart to be used for something special. It was used for the ceremonial washing of all of the guests that came to the wedding party. And so if you were a guest that came to this wedding party, you would show up at the home and there would be these water jugs here. And and when people came in, they would wash their hands and their feet would be washed. It's a very cultural thing. More than cultural, though, it was very ritualistic. It, 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 It didn't cleanse anything that it wasn't meant to, to wash your hands of germs, but it was a ritualistic thing and symbolic. It was a symbolic gesture in, in, in the, the Hebrew culture for people to ceremonially wash before entering in. You guys, you guys follow me here? That, that was a very ceremonial thing. It was very symbolic. And this water was set apart for the ceremonial cleansing. Now, we know what wine is, right? And, but but in, in the spiritual sense, this wine that Jesus miraculously transforms water from, this wine is symbolic of the cup that we use for communion. And we all know, because we do it on a monthly basis, that this wine is for the forgiveness of sins. And when you talk about cleansing spiritually... This is where Jesus is getting at, right? One is, it is kind of a ceremonial washing that's just outside. It's symbolic. And the other is a spiritual cleansing that's true and, and real. And it happens. It's, it's a cleansing of substance. See, Jewish custom, they focus on the importance of ceremonial cleansing. And these empty water jars... Empty being an important word. Empty water jars that the guests used to use to, to wash their hands and feet when they arrived to the party. It didn't clean anything except maybe their hands and feet. 
but it was for ritual purity. And these jars were empty because it didn't reach any further than that. The, the hope was that it would actually cleanse them, right? Because that's why you do the ritual. But it never did. It never did. The Old Testament law never made a person truly clean from sin. But when Jesus comes into contact with these water jars <laughs> that were used for this ritualistic cleaning, he transforms it from what it was to what it is. And now it becomes this wine. The contents becomes this wine that is symbolic of the forgiveness that we receive in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus has the servants refill the water jugs to the brim. It was full. And then Jesus transforms the contents of the jar, turning them from water into wine. And in doing so, so to speak, the old ways of cleansing is replaced by the new. The old system that no one could ever live up to, that was impossible because of the legal code, was replaced by this beautiful means of grace that Jesus came to bring. The wine is symbolic of God's grace that comes into our lives undeserved and yet transforms us from the inside out. And thus, we are transformed not just ceremonially, we are truly cleansed spiritually. Praise God. And what Jesus does is not symbolic. It's substance. Our sins are forgiven. We are purified from all unrighteousness. And when the servants dipped the cup into the new wine that Jesus transformed and gave it to the sommelier and he tasted it, what was his, do you remember his response? Oh, this is the best. Right? Because they would serve the best first and then save the not so good after everybody got drunk. But then they were like, wow, this is, this is the best. Which reminds me of this beautiful passage, being the, the cook, the chef that I am, in Psalms 34 8. It says, Taste and see that the Lord is God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Wow. There's, a, there's another beautiful message here embedded into this uh, miracle that, that I don't want you to miss out on as well, too. This first miracle of Jesus, um, when he turned water into wine, not only did he do that miracle, right, which is so impressive, and not only did he keep the family from embarrassment, which was so good, and not only did he show how the old ritual cleansing fell short because it was just symbolic and this new wine brings true cleansing and forgiveness. That's all there. But there's one more powerful message I just want to highlight to you today and that's the extravagance of the love of God. The extravagance of how he gives and the grace. You see, there's six water jugs, it tells us. And it tells us exactly how much each water jug holds, about 20 to 30 gallons. And there are six of them. 
And so when the servants filled it to the brim, there was somewhere between 120 and 180 gallons of awesome wine. Now, that's a lot of wine. And I don't know if the people there could have finished all of that. And you go, why so much? And I tell you why. Because of the extravagance of God. When God gives, He he doesn't just give so that you have enough. God gives extravagantly. He gives over and above anything that we can ask or even imagine. And Jesus does this not only here in this miracle, but Jesus did it when he fed the multitudes, where he multiplied five loaves and two fish to feed over 5,000 people. And when he gathered all of the leftovers, they still had 12 baskets full. Extravagant. So much. Why? Because that's the kind of God we serve who gives and gives and gives, who pours into our lives, not so that we're full, but so that we're overflowing with his love and his grace. And in that overflow is where God invites you to take what he's given you to share that grace and that love with the people around you. This is the God of extravagance. To the thief on the cross, What did he give? He gave paradise to the woman who was caught in adultery. What did he give? He gave her life when she was about to be stoned and forgiveness and entry into the kingdom of God. To the disciple that denied him three times, he gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And if you look in your life and I look in mine, we see that God has been extravagant. We really have. God is lavish with his gifts. And in John 10.10, oh, I love this verse. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I like the way the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible says it too. I've memorized that one. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I would come so that people can come alive inside and live to the max. I love that. Oh. And so church, as we finish up today, as we get ready to close up, the message that I don't want you to miss is this. That Jesus, as he performs these miracles, is in the transforming business. We know he turned water into wine, and that in and of itself is truly amazing. And the family, their shame turned to joy. And all the guests, their joy was turned to even greater joy. (laughs) They had more wine to drink. And for the disciples of that day, Jesus' miracle even transformed them. That passage closes with this. And he thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. The disciples began to believe. They put their faith in Jesus. And I want you to know, church, today, I don't know what you're going through. Some of you I do. And not everybody is, is uh, having 
a great start to the new year. There's a lot of things that, that we carry with us. And I want you to know that the power of Jesus' lavish grace and love is transforming for us all. And Jesus is concerned about you and everything that is happening in you. And so, like these water jugs, if we, if we would just allow ourselves to be filled, to take in all that Jesus has to offer you, so that you are full of his mercy, his grace, his love, and his forgiveness, and not just to the brim, but to the overflow. That that in and of itself will be the first step of helping you in whatever situation you're in, if not help you to see it through all the way. Because that's the kind of God I believe we serve. And in closing, can I just share with you the power of listening to moms? (laughs) If we were to do anything today, let us listen to the good advice of Jesus' mother. Do whatever he says. And may the grace of God fill you. Will you bow your heads and join me in prayer? Father in heaven, when you sent your son into this world, it was so that, Lord God, your son would redeem people back into a loving relationship with you. And everything that we see Jesus do, from when he came into this world and the angels announced his birth and they said, in this world there will be good news of great joy for today, for all people. For today, in the city of David, Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Lord, you are all of those things. And Lord, as we understand you deeper and thoroughly, and as we see the events of your life, and and we look at pictures like this, Lord God, where we can see into who you are and what you want more than anything. God, you want to fill us so that you can transform us, not from the outside looking good, because we can do that easily ourselves. We put on our masks and we come and we smile, but inside there's that ache and that hurt. And you care about that, and you know it. You know everything, God. But when we are filled by you, is when we can find, Lord God, the wisdom, the discernment, the strength, whatever it is that we need, Lord God, that you can supply for us. And may that be a miracle in our lives today. This message of turning water into wine is turning people, just like me, just like our church, into fully devoted followers of Jesus. Help us, Lord God, to follow you. Fill us fully, we pray, so that we're no longer empty, but we're truly full of you. And help us to heed the word of Mary. When we read your word, 
Help us to do whatever it tells us. In Jesus' name.